0: Thank you choir and uh, musicians, a great reminder as we enter into this month of December and the beginning of our Christmas celebration about who Jesus is. And it also reminds us that uh, the celebration of Christmas, once again this year, uh, is a reminder to us that we are a people of hope. Uh, We we lit the the Advent candle today as hope. Because all the way, waiting, all all the time, and waiting for the birth of Jesus Christ, there was a certain sense of anticipation and expectancy about when and where God would fulfill his promise through the prophets of the Messiah who would come. And our hope is built solidly and securely upon the promises that God gave to us about this Messiah. Many, many years before the birth of Jesus Christ in Isaiah 7, 14, God gave us a glimpse of that, a promise of that by saying, Therefore, the virgin himself will give you a sign. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Because Emmanuel means God with us. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas is that in coming as a baby, coming as God in the flesh, God has come to be among us so that we can understand more about Him, who He is, and what He wants from us, and how we can respond and relate to Him as this God who is our Father. As we turn to our other scripture in Matthew chapter 1, we find this a time where Joseph is going through some, some really tough moments of wondering what he should do. He's learned that Mary, his promised wife, is, uh, is pregnant. She's expecting a child. He knows it's not his. He's been told that this is by the Holy Spirit of God. And so, he's wondering and wrestling, what should he do? Does he be obedient to what God has called him to do, or does he put her away quietly by divorce? And while he's considering these things, then this is where we come into the Scripture. But after, the Lord had a, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph... that we find that meaning of the name Emmanuel, that's God with us. And it's in his birth that Jesus came and brought to us literally the presence of God in our life. See, When Jesus came into the world over 2,000 years ago now, uh, he came and brought us a a fresh insight into God and, and what God is like and how we could know him. And how we could enter into a relationship with Him. And how God wants to relate to us, His people, and what He thinks about us. And Jesus basically established a new covenant between us and God. And that's what Christmas means, that God is with us in everything that we experience. And we are in a relationship with God. Today Jesus inhabits us and He still is here. His presence is here through the dwelling Holy Spirit. And we're still reminded that there is our hope in the fact that God has come as Emmanuel. And He is here and He is among us. When we turn back to the Old Testament to see one of these prophecies uh, that talks about uh, what God wants to do with His people and what He would do. We go back to the book of Zephaniah from the Old Testament. And here's where we find uh, something else that gives us hope about the promise of hope. The first two chapters of Jephunneh talk about God's rightful and righteous uh, vengeance and and punishment upon the rebelling nations. But then when you read chapter 3 you find that here here are glimmers of hope and anticipation of God doing good things for His people. In Zephaniah chapter 3 beginning in verse 14 we read these words, "'Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem.' The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel is with you. There is that Emmanuel concept. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day they will say to Jerusalem, do not fear O Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. Now listen to how it describes this. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's hope that was anticipated. Good things to happen from God. And he says, the sorrows for the appointed feast I will remove from you. They are a burden and a reproach to you. At that time I will deal with all who opposed you. I will rescue the lame and gather those who have been scattered. I will give them praise and honor in every land where they were put to shame. At that time, I will gather you. At that time, I will bring you home. I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes, says the Lord. Now, see, that prophecy, much like the prophecy of Isaiah, much like what uh, was given to uh, Joseph in Matthew, a reminder of, of ancient prophecies about the coming of the Messiah, all come to us with the promise of hope. It's good news. And the coming of good news brings to us then the promise of hope. And we need hope because of the reality of life. And some of those I mentioned, family gatherings this year, uh, your most recent gathering of Thanksgiving was perhaps celebrated uh, with a sense of absence and void and despondency by some families because of a death that had taken place in that family this year. We've had about 18 members of our congregation to die over the last 18 months. Sometimes we think about our military, but I think during this Christmas season we really need to think about them and give consideration to them. Because there is a sense of hope that they need. As a soldier is on patrol in the streets of a shattered city in a fallen land. And his or her mind is not preoccupied with turkey or mistletoe and gifts and carols or candles and lights on the tree. But every sense in that soldier is alert with, with every nerve on end wondering will it be a roadside bomb? Will it be a suicide bomber? or will it be a sniper? And there needs to be a sense of hope in that life. A child faces hunger and homelessness. Christmas gifts are not foremost in her mind, but a meal, a warm shelter, and a bed are among her thoughts, hoping that she will find a sense of security. Her family struggles with finances. A business owner sees sales turned downward due to a sporadic economy, and there needs to be a sign of hope. Some need hope because of the uncertainty of health issues. You know, you're unsure about your future and what your health is going to bring to you in the coming days, and you need hope. That longing for hope... Because of the condition that we live in today, condition of the world, condition even of our nation, uh, prompted national public radio uh, just a few weeks ago to come out with an article entitled, "The American Dream has Become a Nightmare." And they said that the American dream was always defined to us as this. That is an implicit contract that says, if you play by the rules, work hard, you'll move ahead, and you'll be promised a better life." But it went on to say that now after three years of the worst recession in almost a century, the American dream now feels in jeopardy. Many people feel that that American dream is beyond them. And they concluded their article by asking this, the question for this century is, can the dream be restored? And if it can't, what does that mean for our identity as Americans? See, I think we are living in the reality of that. And we have to ask, is there any hope for us? Is there hope for a better future? Is there a hope for provisions of life? Is there hope for safety and protection? And even is there hope as I face death? See, as Christians we take comfort in hope beyond the grave because of Jesus Christ and what He came to show us about God and His love for us. And we need the hope of Christmas because of the reality, the stark reality of life. And the prophecy of Zephaniah and the prophecy that shared again to, to Joseph in Matthew's Gospel reminds us about the hope that comes and the promise of God. And I want to share with you briefly some things that that really means for us about that hope as we live in, in, in real time, facing real difficulties, needing that sense of hope. First of all, there's hope that comes from knowing that God takes delight in you. Listen to verse 17 out of Zephaniah 3. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Now, why is that so important? And how does that passage, how does that one verse of Scripture bring to you a sense of hope? Well, it works like this. some of you think about God either in two extremes, maybe as a senile grandfather that just watches over you and gives a and gives a, 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 an approval of everything that you do. And on the other extreme, you have the concept of God that He's a stern disciplinarian. And all He wants to do is punish you and subdue you. And when we understand what God is saying to us here through the words of this prophet Zephaniah, we get a totally different image of God and what God is like and what God wants in a relationship with us. He said, God delights in you, and God wants to sing over you, and He wants to quiet you with His love. And you see, that's such a a breath of fresh air for us and a sense of hope about a relationship with God. Because not every relationship that we have to deal with and experience in this world is pleasant, is it? Sometimes we're forced to put up with people that we really don't want to. And that happens at work. That happens at school. Maybe it's even at church. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe this uh, Thanksgiving gathering of uh, just last week or so was a time in which you kind of had to grin, grit your teeth and grin and bear it because there were family people there or somebody there that you really just didn't want to be around. You know, you you can't really choose your family, but you can choose your friends. And there are people you don't like. And the Bible tells us that we're supposed to love as a a Christian. And sometimes we think that that's the way God relates to us. But listen to what that tells us about the relationship God has with you and what he thinks about you. He delights in you. He wants to quiet you with his love. He wants to sing over you with shouts of joy. You see, that, that tells us something about what God thinks about us and values us. Let me ask you a question. If you had the opportunity to, to spend a day, a carefree day with anyone that you would choose, who would you choose to spend that day with? Some of you might choose one of the fav- uh, favorite athlete. You know, we're in the height of NFL season and now they're headed towards the playoffs. Uh, football season is headed towards the bowl seasons and championships yet to be decided. Uh, basketball season, college and pro and high school and all, that's cranking up. Maybe you have a a favorite uh, basketball player. Or maybe you want to get spiritual and say, I'd love to sit down with a missionary like Corey Tim Boom or somebody like that and talk to them about what it was like on the mission field. Or maybe it's a favorite writer you would like to sit down and spend a day with and pick his or her brain about that. I would also hope though that you would consider things like this, your best friend. Or if you're married, certainly you ought to want to put your spouse at the top of the list of spending a day with him or with her. You see, that's how God feels about you. It would not be a burden to him. He would delight in having that opportunity one-on-one. And you know what? You can have that with God. It's in his very nature that God can be in all places at all times. And he can have that relationship with you. Remember this about what he thinks about you. He loves you. He not only likes you, but He loves you and He delights in you. And that should be a sense of hope right there. The second thing about this hope is that hope comes from knowing that God meets your needs. You know, I think sometimes we hear that God meets our needs and we think of things that we want in our life. And so we expect to be able to go to God with a wish list like a letter to Santa Claus and expect everything to be here when we want it. See, and and when we get all those things, then our life would be complete. Even that's even implied in some modern translations of verse fifteen of what we read from Zephaniah, which says, "The Lord Himself, the King of Israel, will live among you. At last, your troubles will be over, and you will fear disaster no more." It doesn't matter how long you have been a believer in Jesus Christ, how long you've been a Christian. Your troubles aren't over are they? There are still battles that you have to fight. Battles that have to be won. But the hope is that God is there with you. And God will meet your needs. That's the truth of the relationship that Jesus brings to us in His birth at Christmas. And God meets our greatest needs. He doesn't always give us what we want but He always gives us what He wants us to have. And He always looks out for the best for us. Now, see, we, we would come up probably with a Christmas list of things like this. Maybe the hottest toy that's out there this year. I ain't even kept up with it to know. And I've got seven grandchildren we, I guess we have to be looking for. Or uh, you might want the latest version of the iPhone. I don't even know what it is now. What, four, five, or six, or whatever? Or maybe uh, the newest iPad. And I love that commercial that they have about that. Now, the iPad Mini. you seen that where they, they're, they're side by side, the bigger iPad and the iPad Mini? you know, it says we're two of a kind. I like that. That's a catchy song. Or maybe you want a new car, new big screen TV, uh, high definition or whatever, and all of that. But what do we need most? Let me mention two things. We need God's forgiveness and we need God's protection. Why do we need God's forgiveness? Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We, we've sinned against God. And sometimes that's where our fear of God's discipline and His, and His sternness comes from that we know that we've sinned. But let me tell you what the Bible promised in Isaiah 53 about the coming of, of, uh, of Jesus Christ. He says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So we, we've all sinned and we need the, the Savior to come. And that, that passage in Isaiah talks to us about the promise of the suffering servant, the Messiah who would come. God says to us in Isaiah 1.18, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. So that's what God is saying. I want to offer you forgiveness. Then you go back to Isaiah 53.5 that says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities and the punishment that, was brought, that has brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. You see in bringing Jesus into this world He didn't just stay as a baby but He became the Savior as He died on the cross for your sins and for mine. That's how much God wants you to experience His forgiveness. That's how much God wants you to experience the joy of being forgiven and having a new look on life and being a new person and starting life over. And you remember what the angel said to Joseph in Matthew 1, 21? She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. See that's the offer that God gives to you today, is the offer of forgiveness. And that's your greatest need. Second thing that God wants to give you is his protection. Why do we need God's protection? Well, we still fight a lot of battles in life, don't we? In fact, sometimes it seems like uh, our life in this world is nothing but one constant struggle and battle after another. You start out in school or even in your neighborhood uh, with the bully that you have to put up with. And the bully will beat you up or takes your lunch money and all of that. And then there's temptations when you get to work that you've got to put up with coworkers you don't like. The competition is fierce. There's always that, that temptation out there to fall to the allurement of sin by Satan's uh, scheming ways. And you see there's just one battle after another. We even fight the illness and death syndrome. But how do we live with hope then? How does God give to us His protection? Verse 15 says, He has turned back your enemies never again will you fear any harm. You see it reminds us that in God through the love of Jesus Christ we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. So, in that great passage in Romans chapter 8? Paul reminds us that in all the experiences of life, nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he has a whole list of these things. And he says, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, it's God's presence that gives us protection. And that protection gives us courage and that courage gives us hope. And it's a reminder in the hope that we anticipate in the birth of Jesus Christ that we find the hope of Christmas. And we find that our greatest needs are met by God. And then there's a third aspect about that hope that I think we need to consider today and it's this. That hope comes from knowing that God has plans for your future. See, God has plans for us to bless us. The first two chapters we talked about in Zephaniah, that's why God's judgment was upon those who were disobedient. But in chapter 3 we get to where He's talking to His people and He's promising them blessings. That He has plans for them to restore them and to bless them and to protect them from their enemies. Now, He never promised them that their blessings would be in such a way that they would have no difficulties at all. But he did promise them that he was there to bless him and that God had plans for their future. The prophet Jeremiah was a contemporary of Zephaniah. He wrote during that same basic time frame. And he said in 2911, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You see, to me, uh, the celebration of Christmas reminds me of the fact that God has plans for us. And it doesn't matter what's happened in that year past and when we come into the Christmas season. And it doesn't matter what we're facing ahead of us in the coming year, things we don't even know. But it's the reminder of celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ that God gives us hope that He's going to bless us in the future. I love to watch the Christmas shows and specials and Hallmark's one of my favorite channels during this time to watch those great movies on there. And I think it was in Thursday's paper that I looked for this. They always come out with a listing of all the the Christmas specials and the shows and the movies that are going to be there. And I've got it on my desk so I can mark things off. One of the favorite movies I like to watch is It's a Wonderful Life starring Jimmy Stewart. And it's also interesting too, this is the time of the year that I start putting together what I'm going to read for my devotion time and how I'm going to study in preparation just to build my spiritual life. And uh, I came across a book the other day, I don't even remember which bookstore I found it in, but the title grabbed my attention because it said, 52 Life Lessons from the movie It's a Wonderful Life. So I'm looking forward to getting into that and and reading perhaps one a week as a challenge to me as I go through life. But there's a scene in that movie, It's a Wonderful Life, where George Bailey is standing in the snow without a coat on the bridge of Bedford Falls thinking that everything is lost. Life had not turned out the way he wanted it to. Now that his building and loan was flat broke it seemed he was up against impossible situations with no hope at all and no future. But George Bailey reminds us in that, in that movie, the one, It's a Wonderful Life, that Christmas comes at the time of year when without question someone somewhere will be up against some kind of seemingly impossible situation where it looks like you have no way out. Maybe this year that is you. And my, my, my prayer for you is that you will claim the Christmas hope, God with you, and the hope that He gives of a future with plans and fulfillness of all of his promises. So does anything to you today in your life seem hopeless? Maybe you're faced with what you think is an impossible situation at work. Maybe you're up against an impossible situation in a relationship. Maybe you're burdened by what looks like an impossible situation with your family. Maybe you're troubled by an impossible situation financially. You see, the promise of Jesus coming is that He brings you hope. Hope that God is with you to give you wisdom and guidance and leadership and protection as you go through all of these issues of life. Let me give you an illustration about that. See, I think sometimes we think that when the hope of Christmas comes that everything is solved immediately and boom, all our enemies disappear, all the problems disappear, all those things go away. Let me me tell you about even Joseph when he chose to be obedient he still had to face some challenges didn't he? Now let me tell you about a modern day Joseph and this is an article from Urban Faith about Benjamin Cassoni. He gets up at 3 a.m. every morning to pray and read his Bible. At 4.30 he starts his 8-hour shift making biscuits at a Bojangles in Jonesboro, Tennessee. Just three years ago Benjamin was a pastor of a Baptist church and was the editor of a Christian magazine in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. But then his house was attacked. He was attacked. Almost killed. And he had to flee the country and leave his wife and eight children behind. Now he's trying to establish a new identity in the United States. But as late as as, um, Most recently, as May of 2012, an immigration judge denied him asylum on inadequate grounds. And you might think this is a man who has no hope. He's given up, and he's in despair and despondency. His wife and children in another country, he's worried about their safety. He's concerned about that future. He's concerned about himself, and what else does he have to do to show that he needs uh, protection and asylum here in America? But listen to what he says. I used to think you could go through suffering and then reach victory on the other side. I think that's where all of us think that it comes. But listen to what he goes on to say. He said, I've learned that when you are in the midst of suffering and have hope in God, that is victory. Now that's profound, isn't it? That's profound. I know that there's some of us who have been through some tough times and you're still going through them. Some of you are dealing with grief. Some of you are dealing with family issues. Some of you are dealing with financial issues. Some of you uh, have have personal struggles that you're dealing with. Some personal sin that you're dealing with. And it's all coming up to, to greet you at this Christmas time. And you think about Jesus is born. We celebrate the birth of a baby. He's supposed to bring hope. Where is that hope? The hope is in the fact that God is with you right now wherever you are. Wherever you are in life, wherever you are in facing your situations. See, and it's in that time that you can find the forgiveness for your sins. It's there you can find true and lasting peace. And it's there you can find God's power to bring about what He wants to bring about in your life. You see, that's the promise of Christmas hope. And the coming of Jesus Christ, that He is God with us. He is Emmanuel. And it doesn't matter what you're facing, the presence of God in your life brings you hope. And that's the hope that you need to claim today through faith in Jesus Christ. Become his child by faith. Let him delight over you. Let him sing songs of hope and praise over you. All the way through this life and in the eternal world yet to come. Father we bow before you we thank you for this wonderful Christmas season for the celebration once again of the birth of Jesus Christ. Help us to remember that He came to us in the midst of chaos as God in the flesh to be Emmanuel to be with us in everything that we experience so that we can have hope that resonates in our life for everything that we face. And I pray right now Father for people who are here, are hearing this message of hope that they will certainly claim that hope by faith in Jesus Christ. And they will be prepared for God to do good things in their life as you promised Lord. And I pray Father that there will be those who will come this Christmas season to experience the gift, the most precious gift of all, the gift of Jesus Christ and eternal life and forgiveness. And I ask Father all of that in a wonderful name through Christ our Lord. Amen.